Keep making like interesting, dynamic, well thought out, well produced films. That's all. That's all I ask for. Because what part of the enjoyment for me is taking what they've done and then finding, oh, I can, I could do this with this, or I could do that with it. That's kind of fun for me. I worry a bit if they start to make films, you know, with an educational viewpoint. It depends on the context, but in general, you know, I don't use materials that are made for education. <laughs> Edvard Grieg's Rousing in the Hall of the Mountain King is the soundtrack to a short film chosen by my guest today, Mr. James Taylor. Now, James doesn't like to be confused with the American singer-songwriter who shares his name, so he goes by the handle The Teacher James. Remember that if you're Googling him. James teaches English as a foreign language in Brazil and produces a podcast called Tefl Commute. He loves short films, and he's also a huge fan of teachers networking and supporting other teachers, which is why I hope you'll enjoy today's episode. In fact, I insist. You will enjoy it. The best short films for lifelong learning, recommended by teachers for teachers. This is Short Films Teachers Love, with your host, Richard Lee. You're originally from the UK. You've taught in South Korea, Belgium, Costa Rica. How did you end up in Brazil? And, and what's this obsession you have with travelling? Uh, well, it's quite easy to explain, actually, once you know. Uh, it, it, my partner, she's a diplomat. Ah. So it's the nature of her job is that we have to uh, travel the world. So I do love to travel, but uh, and I love to teach English. So it's a very... It's a very compatible uh, lifestyle that we have. Yeah. Now, you're also the co-founder of BELTA, the Belgian English Language Teachers Association. And I read uh, that you run a weekly Twitter discussion with the hashtag ELT chat. So um, anyone on Twitter, have a look at that. When does this run? Yes, it happens on uh, on Wednesdays. And what it does is there's a topic chosen by the, the by anyone who wants to participate. They get to vote beforehand. And then it's uh, discussed for an hour uh, in that group, and then the co- the conversation continues uh, on over the next few hours, uh, and people can drop in and out as, as they wish. Uh, and so that's been going now for over six years, I think, that's been going. Wow. As for Belta, Belta was a, a, com- a completely different project that uh, that we founded in um, in Belgium. Uh, where there was basically no English Language Teachers Association, and I'm a big fan of teachers' associations. I think they're really important. And there wasn't one in Belgium, so with uh, some other people, we founded the National Association. So I'm, I think of all the things I've done in my, my career, that's the thing I'm, I'm proudest of. And, you know, there's been, you know, conferences organised, and, and it's, it's continuing now. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm now only uh, an advisor, so I'm not sort of involved in the day-to-day running anymore. But I'm very uh, proud of what those guys continue to achieve, and and uh, I look forward to it going on, you know, forever. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And you know, you all also are involved in a podcast, T T E F L Commute. Yeah, Tefl Commute. Tefl Commute. Yeah. There's lots of things that you're involved with online. So obviously, you see the importance of teachers networking with each other, especially online. So what? Why is that? What What does it achieve? Do you think? Well, I think connecting with other teachers, whether you whether you do it face to face or online, whatever you know, it depends what's available to you. But just connecting with other teachers, I think, is really 
crucial um, as part of our development because we, we can't progress if we exist in a vacuum. One of the problems could be that you may actually be working in a school with other colleagues and you go into your staff room, but it's not a very sort of conducive environment for professional development. You may have other colleagues who are not particularly motivated or they're just not that interested in you know becoming better teachers and so on and so just because you're there with other people doesn't mean that you're not isolated and so what the online world offers um, it continues to offer people new opportunities of ways of connecting with other teachers of you know creating communities and 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 helping people to progress in whatever way that they want to I'm not sort of one of those people who would advocate that doing things online is automatically better Um, I think that the you know that's why I'm also a big a big proponent of teaching associations and local conferences, local events where people can get together and share. I think that's a, that's very important as well. But basically, what I'm saying is, however you can get it, you should try and get it. You know. Just before you were telling me about uh, Kieran Donaghy, you know, so another another British expat living and working abroad. Uh, now Kieran's big focus and and his real specialty, as you said, is is short films in the English language teaching classroom. Um, your focus, I guess, is broader than that. Um, so how do you how do you see short films fitting into your teaching? I'm kind of interested in lots of different areas of ELT, and I'm always sort of trying to find ideas from different areas and. Uh, Something I'm interested in now is uh, using podcasts uh, with English language teaching, for example. So any sort of interesting materials. I mean, I mean even the other day uh, when I discovered that on my interactive whiteboard I could embed GIFs on the board. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, I'm going to have some fun with this. Uh, so I'm always trying to find, you know, sort of visually interesting ways of, uh, of, you know, sort of stimulating the interest of the students. And short films are one of the best ways of doing this, I think, because... They just lend themselves so well to the format of our lessons. You know, like you can you can show a film that's sort of like you know two, three, four, five minutes, and and in that time, there's so much you can do. You know, and I know Kieran said this in your in your interview. Like he said like you can get an hour's lesson out of like a three minute video, and and it's so true. You know, and there's so much you can do with the videos. And I'm particularly interested in what I sort of call silent movies uh, when i blogged about them I, I called them silent movies they're not silent movies obviously there's sound and there's music dialogue free yeah, yeah. exactly yeah or well, at least dialogue the point is that if there is any dialogue it's not really important and so i think those particularly videos provide very rich uh, ground to to do a lot of work with the students mm-hmm. and you know uh, we we both mentioned how Kieran is you know kind of the the granddaddy of, of everyone doing that you know short films in English language <laughs> but um, him and Jamie Keddy I have to give credit to as well who's okay. done a lot of really good work all right English language teaching as well. I'll have to look up Jamie Jamie Keddy um, but there's there's one of your blog posts you said 14 things you could say in response to this postcard which I love you know it's it's kind of as teachers, you know, you as you say, you find whatever is available to you and whatever you're into. And you know, Kieran has gone down the track of short films, which is fantastic. But you know, I, you had this list of out of that one postcard, it's an image of a bus, or you know, there, there's something with a um, a sign on the back, and and you just saw it and said that'd be great. It's so rich to unpack. And you had 14 things that you could say about that thing, you know. So, and I wonder if this is the same thing that we do when we get a short film that you go that's great I could do you know 14 20 things with this is that the sort of preparation you do for a short using a short film in an ALT class 
Yeah, it would really depend on the type of students that I'm teaching. So with an adult, I would be much more likely to just have that video mm. and just see where the lesson goes. You know, mm. do a sort of what we what we call like a, a dogma lesson or a, t- a teaching unplugged lesson, right. where you don't go in with a prescribed lesson plan and you don't have a particular objective. Even you just let the let the conversation begin and see what emerges from from that now you may have some backup ideas in the back of your head or well, we could do this with it we could do that with it but you don't sort of have a strict 10 point plan of what you're going to do if um i was going to do a lesson at my school with uh with some teenagers then i'm be much more likely to have a structured plan but i always try to leave space for improvisation and and for them to have their own personal reaction to what's what's happening in the room you know so that things can change based on their reaction to, to what they see. Yeah, I'll come back to that. It's a, it's a really interesting point. But I want to jump uh, now to the first film that you've recommended, and that's uh, it's called Octopody. out the the linguistic background of this film. So first of all, it seems like the title Octopody is actually an Albanian word for octopus, but it was made at a French film school and the description on the Vimeo page seems to be in Portuguese and now you're using to teach English in Brazil. So <laughs> what's going on here? That's wonderful, but like what do you understand? I have no idea. <laughs> Well, that's the benefit of using silent films, right? They can be from uh, from anywhere. So you, so you're not sure about the background. So, but it's look, it's really funny. It's a Tom and Jerry chase style, you know, animation, and you know, it's really inventive. I mean, you, know, I'd never seen two octopuses or octopi chasing each other before. You know, who are, I mean, they're in love and they can't be separated, and you know, a guy takes them to a rest. It's it's beautiful. It's beautiful comedy. Um, tell me about. Can you remember the last time you used this in a class and and how it went down? What were some of the reactions? Yeah, well, the, the thing I love about this film, I mean, it, it's very simple. Um, it's very short. It's like less than three minutes, I think. I mean, it's it, it's it's a beautiful, beautifully animated, brightly coloured, attractive film. It's basically accessible to anybody. You can use this film with anyone. I mean, I've used it with. Uh, with, uh, with teenagers, but I've also used it with adults, and they love it equally. I chose this one because it kind of fulfills the remit of like how to use a short a short film with no dialogue in class. I mean, you could pretty much do do any of the activities that you can think of would work with this film, um, yeah. and so that's why it's kind of like my sort of standard go to uh, film. Yeah. So what I normally do is I do uh, one sort of the most basic kind of activities that you can do with a with a, a short film like this which is uh, there, there's no dialogue so you can just get the students to write a script for it and then perform the script to the video play the video back and then they they say the dialogue as it comes along and and the, the thing i love about a, a thing like that is that it can be done at fairly low levels uh, not the lowest obviously but fairly low levels of proficiency that they can they can do this script but then you could also give it to the highest levels of proficiency as well and then obviously they can come up with something much more complicated and intricate and more varied vocabulary and so on so the steps would be 
watch the film, take some notes, write a script about what's happening, and then finally stand up and read that out as a narrator? Or talk me through that a little bit more. No, I would probably get them to do it so that one of them is one of this character. You know, you're the pink uh, octopus, you're the orange octopus, you're the guy who's trying to, you know, get the octopus. And then, like, between them... They'll, you know, they'll be saying, so when, when he's in the tank at the beginning and he's season, he's like, you know, he'll be like, oh no, you know, what are you doing? Right, you know, things okay. like this. <laughs> so and then, it's dialogue. And then, yeah, and then, okay. yeah, so it's a real, di- like a, an actual script right, uh, yes. uh, of, of, of what they're saying, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it depends. It would really depend on the level, how much support I would give beforehand. So I may add a couple of stages before where I would get them to perhaps, you know, like make a note of... Um, any objects that they see on the screen, you know, what do they see? Do they, you know, they might write down, you know, tank and they might write down, I don't know, steps and cable and things like this, which would be useful in helping them to describe it. But then I also might get them to write down any, you know, verbs that you could use to describe the actions that they've seen. But at a high level, you know, I I probably wouldn't do that. I would just get them to do it and then I would give them some feedback and help as they are working together to say, oh, okay, what do you call that thing? You know, could you describe that? Or what's that action? You know, um, so yeah, it would it would depend on their on their level how much support I would give. But I would definitely be very involved uh, going around the class with them as they're creating their scripts, monitoring it, so that when they perform it, that I've checked it already and that I've helped them, so they're not going to perform something which is full of mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Now, you mentioned already a couple of times your students, so you have sort of one-on-ones, but also you talked about teenagers, and and so are, they, are these the three distinct types of students that you have? Tell me a little bit more about your students. I've always taught adults, always, from the beginning, and mo- um, a lot of one-to-ones, but then I've also I've, I've taught, I've taught English teachers in a teacher training institute, um, and um, I've taught business English and presentation English and all kinds of things. This this year just gone, 2016, was the first year where I had groups of exclusively teenagers. I've never done that before. And in fact, I even had a group of 11 and 12 year olds, which was a which was a uh, surprise. Um, and uh, I didn't entirely sign up for that, but it happened, and I'm glad it did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what was the biggest difference? What What was the shift for you? Well. Uh, with with the teenagers, I didn't find it um, that different in a lot of ways because basically when you're that age, you want to be an adult. So you like being treated as an adult. You know, you want to be. You don't want to be treated as a kid. What I really found with that was it wasn't about the teaching, the pedagogy side of things. It was the classroom management that I'd never had to do before. Yes. I'd never had to do anything like this before. I had to like really... You know, just simple things like uh, I was used to saying to people, okay, thanks, everybody. That's good. Okay, so let's move on now. Let's uh, turn to page 25 or whatever. And that would happen, right? And then now suddenly I'm going to, you know, okay, guys, that's fine. Okay, thanks. No, thank you. Joel, Joel, pay attention. Joel, look at me, you know. And and just like this kind of like battle. All the stuff that's not teaching. It's it's actually just crowd control. <laughs> exactly. And go, come on, no. And And, you know, like there are things like at that level where they had to do things that they'd never done before and 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 it's it's harder for them to appreciate what it is that they're trying to learn you know trying to teach the present perfect and and you know when you when you're with adults they're like oh, okay I need this and with kids they're like why do I have to do this you know so yeah but I really I really enjoyed it I learned a lot from that experience 
Is is there one sort of classroom management tip that you sort of that stands out for you that you know you could share for someone particularly going into that level of teaching for the first time? You've got to be tough with them at the beginning because then then they and then you can loosen up. I mean, and, and that is a tip that you'll you, you could hear so many people talk about, but they you know it doesn't really make sense until you go through it. I think, and then you're like, okay, yeah, fine. But yeah, so that was a very good experience. But I mean, on the other hand, um, I also teach um, the. I still teach a lot of adults at the school, and I teach uh, I teach uh, Cambridge exam classes and like the highest level CPE. And so, it's it's very varied, you know. And then and then I teach private lessons uh, here at home as well. And and I guess all those different groups would add to the richness of your experience and what, you know, you can cross fertilize what you can do with an individual sometimes applies but informs the other teaching to other different groups and age age brackets etc. Yeah. Fantastic. Let's uh let's go on to the next film and and this one is called Man by Steve Cutts. Now, I know Steve Cutts, a great, uh, you know, an animator with a great insight into being human, the condition of the world, you know, but, it, but it's often bleak and it's so dark, you know. And so, uh, you know, I, I wondered, first of all, how that went down, particularly if you're showing this to students, this, this one particularly, man, you know, it's it potentially quite depressing, you know, and I wondered whether, that actually, whether that's an issue for you, just thinking, you know, should we, as teachers, be presenting a hopeful vision of life and the world or, or is it about calling it as we see it, you know, where does that sit for you? Well, I think, well, two things. One is, I feel like I present them with the material and it's up to them how they interpret it. You know, I'm not trying to present them with a worldview particularly. You know, I mean, I can't avoid that, obviously, just by showing them or sharing the material. That's what I'm doing. But it's up to them to interpret it however they wish. Um, And then the thing about the darkness is, well, (laughs) I think the darkest things I've ever heard in a classroom have come out of the mouths of these 11 and 12-year-olds I taught. (laughs) I mean, some of the things they said, I was like, whoa. And and the teenagers are not that far behind, and they're much darker than the adults, and they love love that kind of thing. Uh, As to the slightly depressing side of it, well, it is set in the future, so, so, or, you know, at least the ending is, definitely. So, um, I, I... felt like you know they can um yeah they can interpret it that way if they want to but or they can see it as a warning well it's a cautionary tale isn't it yes exactly so my two questions kind of were around that you know where did you find it what it attract what attracted you to this can't remember where i found it i mean it's probably just something that appeared on my facebook feed or something like that a few years ago um i went through a period uh, i haven't been doing it so much recently but i'm I think I have to t- start doing it again of like just collecting short short films with no with with no dialogue uh, just so I have like a bank of them available to me so that I, if I have a class oh yeah this I have a class about the environment okay I can use that that film's perfect for this so the reason I chose this film was because it it kind of fits with um, uh, how we can use short films to fit to a particular theme in the class, you know. So uh, in in our course books, you know, the environment is a 
a real kind of standard. You'll, you'll, every single one of our course books will have a unit about the environment in it. And uh, this kind of film is a, is a perfect way to uh, um, augment that material and, and add something kind of, you know, because course books, for better or for worse, um, whatever you think of them, this is the kind of material they, they just can't include. So, you know, he, he starts off, he looks almost like someone, you go, oh, this guy's all right. And then he only takes a few steps and he's already, you know, popping a chicken or, you know, pulling snakes under his feet or, you know, and just, he just becomes Destructo Man, you know, it's just awful and you just hate him by the end, you know. So is there anything, what what do you do with this in class that's different to, say, Octopode? What would you do with this in class? Well, this is, um, for a start, it's a good way of introducing um, sort of the basic vocabulary of talking about environmental issues, you know. So it's, uh, you know, things like uh, deforestation, seal clubbing, uh, air pollution, sea pollution, you know, like um, uh, littering, uh, you know, things like this. You, that all of those things are, um, uh, it's a good way to get that vocabulary out so that then the students can use that for the rest of the unit, um, that, that they, they're aware of it. And then it's an interesting one to get them to react to. So something like for example you know if you could speak to this man what would you say to him about the way he behaves you know if you could interview him what questions would you ask him you know and then they you hope that they're going to ask things like oh don't you care about the environment or why do you do these things or you know like do you think we should have a better uh, attitude to the environment you know something like this just to get them kind of questioning and and then and you can do a very simple thing you know they get them to write down five questions and then you get them to swap them over and then they have to answer the questions as the man, you know. So I, I don't care about the environment, you know. Who cares, you know, blah, 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 things like this. So uh, I think you know, there's those kinds of activities where you can get them to respond. Um, it's different from the sort of scripting idea. And you could do a similar thing with like a, a press conference, you know, sort of asking get one of the students to be the man, and then they have to ask questions to the man and say, you know, the similar kind of thing instead of writing it down, but they they do it in speaking. Yeah, things like that. Yeah, and obviously everything is entirely in English, so they're being called upon constantly to use those new words and apply them in new ways that are grammatically correct, I, I can imagine. Exactly, and so again, as they're preparing for this, which is what I would let them do, is I would, as they're you know writing their questions and so on, then I'm going to be there to give them help and feedback and answer their questions and just to check what they're doing and you know make sure their mistakes are corrected and, and so on so that's all part of that process of them creating the material and and then i would also give them feedback after the activities are over to say oh okay here are some of the things i noticed both uh things that were really good and uh, mistakes that people made so the the last film you you've recommended is called the screen by sebastian Kosor. why should i be frightened of dying oh i don't know some people are there's no reason for it you've got to go sometime yeah that's right i suppose that's the way it should be but if you're afraid... I never said I was frightened of dying. All right, all right. Get angry at me. Relax. I am. So you use what you call silent films or dialogue-free films, and yet this one actually opens with dialogue. Um, there's a lot of chatter. So I wanted to ask you about that aspect. Yeah, well, 
the the thing about that dialogue is that I don't think it's really that important to what the film's really about or anything. So when I've used this film, I've sort of said to my students, okay, they're talking at the beginning, but don't really worry about that too much. You know, like don't focus on that particular dialogue. I want them to focus on it in a different way. I actually did a workshop once where I showed some of these um, these sort of these silent short films to to teachers, and I asked them to try and come up with ideas of how they could use these short films in their classes. And I said to them. I said, I, I specifically said, I don't want you to focus on grammar activities because that's what teachers tend to do. They just see, they see a resource and they go, oh, how can I get some grammar out of there? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> how this, can I kill the fun? Well, yeah, I mean, and, and of course there are grammar activities that you can do, but that's that's not so... I was trying to challenge them to think about it in a different way. And, and, and then one of the groups, the idea they came up with immediately was like, Focusing on the language and the grammar of that um, of that thing. So even though I'd said don't concentrate on grammar, you know it, it's difficult for um, teachers and students um, to to hear someone speaking and to then not be completely absorbed in that. And what are they saying? And do I understand everything they're saying? Because it's an English class, and I get that. So what I have done in the past is I've actually stood there with the volume, and I've turned the volume down at the beginning. And then when that sort of dialogue starts to fade away and the, and, the, and the camera moves around and you see the screen guy there, then I've turned it turned the sound up. Just so, not completely, but just so that they can't really make out what's being said. So the reason I, I, I chose this film and the reason I, I think it's uh, interesting is because I like using images a lot in class in general, not just moving images, but I like using pictures. And, I, and something I like to try and get my students to do is to go inside a picture. To, some, to see a 2D image and try and make it 3D, to try and sort of step into it and then look from inside the picture back out or look from the left to the right or imagine what was going on outside of the frame over there, you know, or anything that can get, you know, what are these two people saying to each other in this photograph? Whatever it is, you know. And, and so when I... Um, so with something like art, for example, which does come up in course books or I would use uh, certain paintings, then... To me, if you're going to use those, then it's really interesting to get them to to move outside of the frame. And what this film does is exactly that. It takes you, you have this still image and all of a sudden it becomes a, a thing that's happening in time and space and moving around. And and so what, what I've done with it is um, I've shown them the picture of the screen and I've, and I've said, do you recognize this? And almost everybody does. And, you know, what do you know about it and, and, and so on, which is not normally very much. And then I try and get them to imagine, you know, who is this person? Why are they screaming? You know, who are those two people in the background? Where is it? You know, and all these kind of things. What's to the left of the picture? What's to the right? And, um, and just to get them to use their imagination and see what they come up with. And then you can show the film. And they can compare what they've said with what what is in the film. There was another one on your page. I think it was on your blog about silent films again, and and the conversation piece. I think it was called. Brilliant! Another another great one, and I've, I've shared that link already because it's so beautiful. And some some well known English actors again, and and you know just taking 
removing the language and placing, you know, a brass instrument to, to sort of personify these expressions. And it just, it's so rich in where you could go with that one as well. Where, so where do you find, where do you find your short films? Um, I think Facebook is a good source, always has been, because these are the kind of things that people like to share. And it's very Facebook friendly. It pops up in your feed and you can watch it in two or three minutes. Uh, I think Vimeo is a really good source um, because it's really well curated, Vimeo. Um, much better than YouTube in this respect. So that's my favourite source. Fantastic. Um, this year in, in this podcast, I'm opening up a little bit more the conversation for filmmakers and, and also curators of educational shorts as well. So I, I wanted to sort of wrap this up by asking if there was any advice that you had, uh, firstly for filmmakers making short films that you think could work well in, in your teaching context? What advice would you give to filmmakers? Well, in some ways, I almost feel like saying, just keep doing what you do, you know, because what part of the enjoyment for me is taking what they've done and then making it, you know, like finding, oh, I, can, I could do this with this or I could do that with it. That's kind of fun for me. I worry a bit if, 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 uh, if they start to make films, you know, with an educational uh, viewpoint in mind, then it might sort of begin to affect how the film is made in a negative way. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, it depends, it depends on the context, but in general, you know, I don't use kind of like materials that are made for education very much. I, and so keep making like interesting, uh, dynamic, uh, well thought out um, and, you know, well produced films. That's all, that's all I ask for. And of course, the thing is, what doesn't work for me will, will work for someone else. So, you know, we all have different students, different needs. You know, we all are in different institutions, different demands. And, and what about for um, curators and collectors of short films, I guess, you know, people like me? What, what's one thing that you would like to see to make your job of finding great content easier? As curators, what I'm, what, well, I'm looking for uh, short films that are short. I want them to be short. Uh, I've probably done want it to be longer than five minutes. It doesn't have to be dialogue free, but uh, I do prefer them that way. So easy on the dialogue and uh, activity ideas and lesson plans and all, all those things are always welcome and nice to have. But uh, as with most teachers, I always adapt them. Um, I never do them as as they are. But I think the most important thing is, is sharing, you know, like uh, is, is sharing your ideas and saying, look, I found this. I think it's cool. Maybe you could use it like this. Maybe you could use it like it. Here it is. I mean, just that is enough for me. I mean, that's really appreciated. Just the sharing of resources, I think, is a fantastic thing. That's great. That's great. I'll take notes on that and hopefully I can continue to uh, try, and, try and develop uh, what I'm doing to be uh, the, the go-to place for teachers of all kinds. Find all the film links and related notes in the description and look out for the edited highlights of this discussion on YouTube. This show is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. To learn more, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. This episode was recorded with Zencaster.